You're listening to the Teach Me How podcast, a classic world of darkness role-playing workshop with Nate and Bob. Brought to you by 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade and UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of the Teach Me How podcast, a Patreon exclusive for all of you fans of 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Nathan. And I am Bob. And today we are going to be talking about a subject that we've had a lot of requests for both formally and informally, and that's how to better develop non-player characters, right? So we'll call it Develop Your NPCs 101. And um, this is something like, at least for me, I don't know that I've actually put a lot of thought into before this, right? Like we, we, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to like teach people how to do things that I don't know if you're different in this, but like, it's not something I concretely have sat down and thought about how I do it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to, cause, uh, a believable NPC is a character made, right? Right. That's just the process. Right. And that spoiler alert podcast done same process. <laughs> you wouldn't make a character, right? Right. Right. Just know your boundaries, you know, how powerful they're going to be, that sort of thing. And, uh, so it makes it a real short topic in my opinion. But there's some stuff we could extrapolate right. on. Like I, I know there's some difficulty where it is, but to your point, absolutely. It's not a good NPC is someone that you don't put so much exhaustive time in that you paint yourself into a corner and can't portray realistically. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think so for me, one of the most important things that I had to develop was a sense that when I make an NPC, it's not me that I'm making, right? I'm not making my personality into that character, right? So so I think the the most important thing initially when making a non-player character is going, okay, what sort of role in the story do I need to fill right now, okay? So I don't need to put Nathan, me, into this story unless I do, but I want to make sure that I'm not taking what happens to or what this character does personally, right? And uh, and then what's good about that? Because I'm just going to go with yeah. you here. Uh, is that when I when I go through it, I agree with that to a point. Because as a amateur writer, right, you read books, you get an idea. I like I like Ray Bradbury's tip where he says that nothing you write will ever not have something of you in it. People will see that. There's a truth to it, right. but there's also a trick to hiding that, right? Like the writer should be able to go, ah, uh, that's from a memory, blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. time ago. But people experiencing the character should mm-hmm. never be able to see it, right? And what I mean by that very importantly, and I think this is specific to the storytelling, you know, tabletop pen and paper game genre is, I mean, this isn't you, right? What I mean is take your ego out of it because a a pratfall that very commonly new storytellers, new DMS, and even experienced ones I've seen do this is they present an NPC and that NPC is supposed to be the best, baddest, kick-assest, most important character. When it, when a player decides to go, you know what? I'm tired of hearing, you know, I'm tired of hearing your blade talk shit. I'm just shooting him in the head, right? The the storyteller or the the DM, the game master, they immediately go, oh fuck, you're on now. You're dead. You're done for. And when you are in control of reality, it's very easy as a storyteller to fall into this like, well, now I'm gonna make reality what I want it to be, and you're fucked. I think that taking the ego out of those characters is the first most important thing, right? Your characters, just like any other character in the game, 
can can die, can have things happen to them, can be changed. They, you know, they're not necessarily going to be the focal point of your story because the story's not really for you. And I think right. that that's that's what's important to remember. And I think that's the most important thing out of this. That that is the golden rule, right? This is not you. You you play seven billion people in the world, right? You can literally make any one of them a vampire. You can pick them up and use them, just like Nate said, and exactly like Nate said. That is that is what you cannot do because I, as a storyteller, that's been my hallmark. Is that I don't care how many times you kill people. There's worse out there. There's nicer out there. It's right. subject to the player. So to that end, like since we know the starting, right? We know it has to be someone that you uh, is believable, right. right? And how do you make something believable? Uh, we'll get to. Uh, but it's also someone that you have no attachment to. Right. Because, like you said, the ego is not in it. So, therefore, if they live or die, that's that. But how do you do that and still play play, play it realistically? Because right. how do you portray a role and not care whether or not you live or die? Fantastic question. The simple answer is exactly what Nate said. Just don't have an ego about it. Right. If you have to play an administrative assistant at a bank, you're not going through. Uh, well, most people don't go through the day in the life of the administrative assistant, how hard of a day they might be having or whatever. I do, because right. I think that in the moment, in that scene, when you hear them complain about their life or you hear them, you know, oh, God, it's another demanding customer trying to go through it. Everyone appreciates that, right? right? So I guess um, I guess now maybe if you don't mind, we talk about the behaviors of an NPC, because I feel in the how-tos, we went over elders, right? right? right. And, and elders are NPC build same way. Whether you're playing a living mortal or you're playing an elder, it's research, it's believability. Right. And as Nate said, golden rule, right? No ego. Right. They're just portraying that. But how do we develop? Which is a big question. Right. And that's all behaviors. So so I think that that when we talk about behaviors, one of the things that's most important for me, and again, I just want to make this, uh, I want to establish this clearly, that Bob and I have a lot of similarities in our storytelling style, but that's only because we've read the same books and we've developed in kind of a similar way. However... I'm learning stuff about Bob's uh, process too, right? Because I don't live in his head. And also he doesn't live in my head, right? So for me, one of the things that I've always tried to do behaviorally is I've tried to make every interaction have some meaning, right? I don't, I, I want to avoid arbitrary storytelling. And what I mean by that is I want to avoid things that could, that like, I don't ever want to end up running a game where the characters in my game, they go into the store and they buy the power up, right? I don't want to turn it into a River City <laughs> Ransom. Like, it's a role-playing game for sure, but, you know, I'm just going to go to the store. I'm going to buy the book, and I'm now going to have Stone Fists. I don't, I don't want that to be the thing. I don't want players to seem like when you go into a store, there's an arbitrary person behind the counter because not, there's not a single human being alive now or ever that's arbitrary right? Everyone that you interact with should somehow tie into that story. It shouldn't just be like a random encounter. I don't ever want random encounters. Life doesn't have random encounters. Life is life. So I'm going to try to tether what you, because I think you're in a good groove, right? Establishing the right uh, personality you got to approach it with, the right mentality, the right, right. comfort, but I'm going to give some of the minutia, which right. I know Right. people are looking for right so the big thing is we're right now and what nate's talking about and we do have very similar storytelling styles because me and nate have done trial and error we've right. been with big storytelling groups too many cooks spoil the soup that's a given i don't care 
what organization you're with, if you think having 50 storytellers, you're telling a good story. No, you're telling a story <laughs> across 50 storytellers, right? You're telling Which a hard means, fucking tale to tell. <laughs> right. You guys are literally going night to night and it's almost like a different game every night, but same players. Right. That's not going to do anything for the players. Ultimately, you're only leaving them to focus on growing their power, not growing their style, growing their story. Right. And that's the important part. And me and Nate learned that. We did that and we had to learn that, right? That's not something that comes easy because it's like weekly arguments and, you know, someone's in charge, someone's not. It's, it, and that's all ego. That's what you don't want to have. Right. What we learned when we shorten it down to two, there was a dramatic difference, you know, because at two, you can go, I like high octane, high action. <laughs> over the top story and then someone goes well i like personal development kind of a diceless method and you agree to somewhere in the middle me and nate have always been somewhere in the middle right right because that's as the book portrays it and very much the book is a if you want to be good at storytelling read the book right i mean that's that's the key here um you know obviously you can listen to us till we're blue in the face but all of this material that we regurgitate it's available somewhere right there's a there's a book there's a series of books there is no replacement for reading except reading and experience right right reading right. and then actually doing and that, and that's the key here i think that the first thing that you want to realize there is no shortcuts and and i know i know that's kind of like shooting ourselves in the foot but you know when we were doing the storytelling when we first started when we were running games there wasn't there was no internet place you could go to get podcasts right that that wasn't a thing Right. So, so what we've had to do is we've had to go out and we've had to experience and we've had to run good games and we've had to run shitty games and we've had to develop and, and, and learn the style. The first key, go all the way back to the beginning. The first key that I want to give you as a storyteller is you need to go and fail. You need to do it. You need to run a shitty game. You need to run shitty games. You need to make shitty characters and you need to develop your own style of telling a story, right? But let's, let's, let's stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Let's give them some keys. So for me, one of the things that I like to do when I run a game is I go, okay, I need to make a person from nothing immediately, right? My players have decided to go into the library and investigate. I need to, I need a librarian. So what kind of personality, what kind of theme or mood do I want to portray right now? So at this point, um, I know shooting the foot's bad. We won't go back to that, but I'm going to address it quickly. Yep. So you understand what hammers one point home. The reason why you want to do mistakes, right? You want to, you want to go through the bad or through get, get, get bad behaviors out your system. is so you know what improvement is. Right. So you know what good is. That's the only reason why. And you're going to do it. What's that mean? Can you, like start out and not make those behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're listening to this and you know that there is a good way and a bad way, right? Just like anything, but you can only ever improve. And so with this librarian, same thing. Step one is if you don't know anything about what a librarian does research, right? <laughs> Time to read what a librarian is, right. what their purpose is, what their function is. And that's step one. Then determine what sex of that person. Often that is everything of the character you're portraying because once you get those two things down you know what you're talking about with the role you know if it's male or female from male or female i usually make two in my mind if not on paper because i'm going to see which one feels better for where it's at right now this all comes from the backdrop of the city you're in right right the city you're portraying that theme is going to color all the npcs that are in it 
Yeah. Like trust the like paints the bigger picture. That's just how it goes. So if you're at that function, cool, you got it. And you decide that we have a librarian. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking we keep it male. We're males. We can speak to that real quick. That makes it easier. You know, why might there be a male librarian? Well, is he wealthy? Is he poor? Is he someone struggling to get by or is he a trust fund kid? And this all flows out. I mean, we could talk to death about what their life and personages are, but my rule is three. Right. That's the rule I personally use. I give three things. I give three things about their life that is important and relevant. And I give three things about their life that's shit <coughs> because everybody has an even mix. Nobody's ever 100% perfect one way over the other. And that's also how you make it realistic because three and three, male, female, roll three and three, you're really done. That's like a stat block right. if you need one. Right. And once you have that stat block, well, what's next? You just got to figure out how they fit in the story. Right. And also how important to the story are they going to be? Right. And, and that's, that's one thing, like any NPC that you make, you can make them as unimportant or as important to your story as you, as you'd like. We're, we're talking about your librarian. They, you walk into the library and this character could be as important as they hold the key to your whole story or they're just passive, right? Now that's really not up to you. That's up to, I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's, it's a lot of it is up to your players, right? If your players are persistent about talking to this librarian, well, maybe your librarian has to sort of change the value Right. And, and this, 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 this will happen many times, right? One of the keys to being a storyteller is to be able to quickly on your feet, make alterations to your story or to add people to your story that you didn't think. Right. And that's something that you develop over time. It's not something that you can be taught, right? It's just to be able to very quickly on the fly, adjust the tale that you're telling and to build this world out. When you play a video game, the developers of the game, they sat down for days and months and, and years and developed all of the world that you're building. You don't have that kind of luxury. And even if you did, how long does it take you to go through four notebooks full of notes to find the one librarian you wrote five years ago? You can't do it. You cannot do it. So you have to be able to, on the fly, like Bob was saying, just sort of think of some key elements. One, two, three, right? Right. Color of the personality how they're going to react to the, to the players and how important they are. That's easy, right? Super simple stuff that you can go, okay, this guy's 45 years old. He's a divorcee. He never aspired for anything else. Boom. You have a character, right? And then as that character becomes more important and more poignant in your story, you can build off of those things immediately, right? Because your players don't know how much time you've spent developing this character. It's up to you to, to show them the story. Right. And how do you, how do you do that? Right. right. Not only did we just say that, but there's also a truth to your confidence in the role. Right. Right. That's more important than almost everything. If you're playing somebody and you're not sure how they're going to play and you don't really know how they're going to react and you're someone who has to stop the press, stop the role play because you got to look up what something might be or something has and whatever. And you knew they were important to the scene. You're going to lose the scene. Right. Everything about RP is emotion. Right. And when people are portraying their characters, you can't lose that rush. So if they're excited to be there or the tension's there or whatever mood you're trying to build for that, you have to hold it. And often that means having a great poker face and understanding that sometimes you're not prepared for it. 
and you just have to play to the players. But when you play to the players, their own ego in their role is going to force the scene to keep going, right? right? Often your players, listen, I can't stress that enough. When you're playing your NPCs, listen to how the players want to use them. Listen to how your players want to interact. Listen to what they believe they have to do for that NPC, and you'll know what they're, what they're wanting to see. Right. And so then it's very little work you have to do because they've already painted an image in their mind of who this NPC is, what this NPC is about, and everything in between. And they don't have to know that you just made this gas station clerk out of a hat right. 30 seconds right. ago. Right. But for because this can happen, this gas station clerk might be the same librarian we started kind of talking about. And this is his second job because he has to hold it down. And while he's here, um, one of you was like, going, man, this is the same guy from the bank. And that's where we got the idea from, you know, right. and it's like, going, what's he doing in the bank? I thought he was a librarian. No, no. We saw him in line. He was bitching about his work as a librarian. We asked him about that. He took us to his work. We didn't find anything, but now he's here at the gas station. What's right. going on? And then someone's going to say something like, I bet that dude's a fucking plant. Right. I bet he's a spy to look for us. And then there's, you know, paranoia builds or whatever they say. And then you as a storyteller have to decide, is he? That's a really good idea. Or is it a really bad idea? Right. And run with it either way. But the important thing is that in any scene, any scene you run with your players has to be relevant. Yep. It's that simple. So if it has to be relevant and it has to be poignant and it has to keep it rolling, has some sort of emotive tie to it, then you have to be able to adapt exactly as Nate was talking about. Right. And in that scene, whether that guy is the pivot like the whole point everything right. hinges on that character or it's something he has on him or it's something he has access to and you're and you're waiting for the players to figure it out what often hammers home that this was a planned scene is you make him do a die roll right whenever a player's not <laughs> thinking or isn't falling to it you just go hey pick up some dice that is the coolest strategy that i forgot that that like i do it all the time right but um <laughs> it's something that i forget to like because it's something we've been doing for so long like it doesn't matter what the situation is when you tell your players, pick up your dice and roll them, you know, take this and this and roll your dice. They immediately think it's important. It could be absolutely non-essential, right? <laughs> it, it could be, it could be absolutely nothing, right? You're parking the car, have your players roll some dice and then, Oh, holy shit. Someone's botched. Well, now you have to make it a part. Now it becomes something, right? That's, whatever that's, it is right that's the beauty of of storytelling a game right something happens and you 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 can feed your players anything you want you can feed your players any old bullshit and you can turn it into a, a five course meal right that's the beauty of this and i think of this as cowboys and indians right whenever i think of it it's it's out it's out in the forest playing with your friends when you were uh the knights of the round table and you were hunting down mordred and his dread knights and they were these old trees but you guys had sticks you had makeshift shields that you found into something you're wearing miles old drapery as capes and you're running forward and you're just battling it out with the trees but right. in your mind you're having this war right it's the same thing there was whenever you go ahead go sorry ahead. so uh, all i'm saying is that call it cowboys and indians because when you do that you get the idea of the nature of what you're supposed to be doing you're right. now in the mix co-storytelling with your players is my point so there's a thing that i've heard and this is this is relevant um, because i'm going to give some strategy here um for you storytellers but 
I've heard people on a number of occasions go, oh yeah, you know what I do? I sit down with the book and I just, I just roll up random stats. I just roll up random stats, right? And I try to make a character from that, right? And, and I've been hearing it for years. I used to have people, um, especially when, when like LARPing was our thing, like very heavily, oh, you know, I'll just go through the book and I'll just like pick stats at random and I'll just make a character out of that. And <laughs> what I, what I say is, uh, are you wrong for that? You're wrong as a storyteller. Right. Maybe you're not for like a, you know, uh, a dice based like fantasy style game where you're like, you're going to make random encounters. You're going to, you're going to throw your players at this new monster. But even I think that is a cop out, right? You're not, all you're doing is you're taking me away from a video game. That's what you're doing. Right. What I would suggest as an alternative to that, as an alternative to sitting down with dice or sitting down with stats and trying to make a character out of it, what I would do is I would go on Google. Right. And I would just look up pictures of people. You could do this in a book too. any random picture. Right. There's that. There's probably sites for this, too. Just any random person and write a short story about them. Two paragraphs. Right. That's it. Write a two paragraph story about them. Man, woman, child. It doesn't matter. And write even just like the three personality traits about them. Right. And then you can, you can, here's something, this is what I did when I was, when I was much younger and just starting out, I could take a picture of a person, print it out, paste it into a notebook and write three key pieces of information for them. And then when your players go through and they're interacting with someone, a random person, I'd open the book at random and pick that person, right? That's who it would be a man or a woman. And then I could expand off of that, right? Because I have these three little boundaries, these three little fence posts, I know how I can build within that space allotted, right? I can, I can start to extrapolate and then I can go, do they have a dark secret? Hmm. That's interesting. Would it be necessary to know that? Yes or no. Right. And, and again, these are just tools that you can use. That's something that maybe some of you are like, oh, that's a little too extravagant. I don't want to do that. Okay. So here's another idea. Super easy. What's your favorite piece of fiction? Find a character change three things about them, enter them into your game. You're not, no one's going to sue you for using a version, <laughs> a version of, of, uh, of the limo driver from Die Hard. No one's going to sue you for that. Right? Ever. And no one's going to ever catch it. Right. I mean, if, if you're, and if they do, it's a little nod between you and them, right? You can have as many Argyle, the limo drivers as you want. Right. Because and here's the deal though. If you, if you have, mm -hmm. I mean, to, to this, I mean, apologize for cutting in, but it's it's a big pet peeve of mine when you have players who don't come to you with an empty cup. Right. They're not sitting down. If if a player has time to sit here and try to pick out where your inspiration for an NPC comes from, I wonder, did they they, they have no time to focus on what they're doing or what they have going on or what they should be paying attention to. You're telling the story, keep the tempo. Right. Right? It's a shared suspension of disbelief. Right. It's cool to share in the moment after. Right right or to chuckle because you're getting enjoyment from it show that much but don't disrupt right to point out and go it's argyle the driver isn't it ah because at that point what you're doing is you're the you're it's it's not disrespectful i want to hammer that home i want to show though but what you're doing is is that the image the storyteller is going for the point they're trying right. to make the purpose right. of that scene that character you're literally rubbing the polish off it right absolutely you know it's tarnishing it well and and i think that it, it bears stating so let, let me just, uh, let me ask you just, and this is a rhetorical question completely, but how many books, if you had to estimate, would you say you've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. How many movies do you think you've seen? 
obscene thousands right Right. literally thousands so everything like your brain is full of of pop culture references of obscure movie characters of of scenes of scene structure right all of that and and we're not alone in that like we we belong to a group of people like a, a subculture of you know pop culture oriented people how many comic books have you read how many what are you doing that's original fucking nothing and i'm sorry to be like abrasive about it but nothing right everything that you do is influenced by some other pop culture reference book character idea use that stuff and that's everyone i don't think that's subculture that's everyone that's our culture right right how many shows have you watched how many bands have you listened to you know, these are all things that you should use. Use these things. Hey, you know what? I I've, I really like this song. I think I'm going to reference this song here. And that helps me build like these little things that didn't exist before, but now exist in a different form, right? And remember, you're storytelling a game. You're not reinventing the wheel. You're not, right. you, you know, if you want to turn this into a fiction piece, that's on you. But that's not what this is. This is gaming for the joy of pretending with your friends. That's what this is. And honestly, if you want to take it a step further, you want the easiest way to do NPC development or character or really just world development. Watch Game of Thrones. (laughs) I'm not lying. The challenge is take Game of Thrones and for every subculture, attach a character to it. Right. Right. Which is what he did. Right. He had his world idea, but then he decided, well, what are these people like? And then did his research. He did all the work for you. Just eliminate, make it modern. Right. Keep the same world size to you or city, whatever you need to do. And then just make characters based off the show but it's based off the show meaning that you were inspired to make uh, cal drogo the bruja uh, roving anarch band that goes around through your city but you don't call him cal drogo you call him kevin douglas right right and kevin douglas like is was, was a guy like weightlifting was never too bright but man was he daring and he was a good guy to be around would anyone pick up on that right i guarantee you if I didn't tell you that right now, I could bring Kevin Douglas into a game tonight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and nobody would have an idea. Absolutely. But really, it's Cal Drogo. Right. The point of this is, like, your your influences should come from all over the place, right? And those should those should start as your benchmark. And then from there, we've said this before, you're literally making concentric circles outward. That's the same thing for city building as it is for NPC building, as it is for for any kind of character. You want to bear in mind the reality of reactions, right? If someone who has lived a sheltered life immediately sees a car crash, holy shit, they're going to freak out. They're going to run to help. So, so motivations and reactions should bear some realism and that's on you. You, you as a storyteller, you bear that responsibility, right? If you have a a player who comes up and is like, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to knock you to fuck out. And your character is the librarian who never studied martial arts, who's a divorcee. He's probably going to be apt to be like, okay, I mean, whatever I need to do to avoid this violence. And that's okay. Realistic responses to interactions. Here's a free candy bar the next time you fill up at my gas station. Right. Right. I mean, that's all of it, right? Let's not forget. This is a stressed guy. You just brought more stress to him. Look, I'm not. Or. Right. He's fucking fight club. Right. Right, you just woke him up. Right. You walked up, you're gonna knock him out, and he's like, Yeah, I don't think you fucking can. Right. And then you hit him, and that guy gets up, busted face, and comes right at you. And I think it's important too, 
once you get down to running these games and, and, you know, making mistakes or missteps, there's a couple of key things because storytelling is not an individual process. It's a group process, right? It's you coming up with the story and sitting down and talking to your players. One, you need to be honestly willing to listen to their feedback, right? It's not about defending yourself. It's about hearing what they're saying and going, okay, is this relevant? Am I right? Am I wrong? And how do I fix this and get better? Right. It's like any hobby. And a key point here that he's saying can't lose it. Right. I, I hate derailing Nate or me getting derailed, but this is this this is literally going to have to be tit for tat because we both have experience here. Right. When you're listening to feedback from your players, you've got to leave your ego somewhere else. Right. Because when they come to you, they're going to be mad or some type of way or some emotional hold or whatever. I rarely ever actually have never had anybody approach me with feed forward. It's always been feedback. Right. It's always some negative connotation and you just got to take it as, okay. Well, and just like Nate said, but I, I, can't, I had to stress that point because if you have your heart up front, when they come at you, you're going to erupt and ruin the whole process. Right. And you let alone trust, you know, I, I think one, one thing that really helped me to develop just as a storyteller was when game was over, just asking people, all right, like, did everybody have fun? Are there any issues that they have? Are there any things that you needed help explain it? you like, I did, you know, was I too vague in certain areas? Getting feedback from them because sometimes unless a person is actually asked, they're just not going to say anything, right? A lot of people, they tend to vote with their wallet instead of vote with their mouth, right? They just stop coming to your game or things become more entertaining than watching you fumble fuck your way through a game, right? Then how do we deal with that problem? How do we get them to talk? You have to not be afraid of confrontation. Right. And there's, and you can be positive, uh, positively charged confrontation. You know, when everybody's always telling you great game, but you know, that night somebody was falling asleep at the table. Right. You, you know, it's bullshit. Right. You know, you know, you got to figure out what's going on. If that person falling asleep at the table though, has been working back to back 12 hour shifts all week and was looking forward to this game and had to be there, then maybe they're just tired. Right. Right. That's right. They come to your true. game to have fun. And they just, they just relax and they listen to your story. Maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's how you have the feeling right. often in a game can be everything. Maybe they to just, just want to hang out, out with their friends, right? Maybe they just want right. to come and hang out with their friends and like the gaming is secondary. If they're cool to r- roll a couple of dice, that's not wrong, but you need At to all. understand that, right? You need to understand that and, and address that and go, Hey, well, you know, is there something I can do to, to make you more engaged in this game? Is there some, and the truth of the matter is, Sometimes the answer is going to be no. Sometimes the players you have are the players you're stuck with. And sometimes you have to take mud and turn it into a beautiful brick facade home, right? That's what you need to do. And and the truth of the matter is, is with that, uh, it's tough. Because with this being NPC development focus, and you can see that to develop an NPC, you're really storytelling. Right. That's what it is. You can't just say, because, you know, make a character. That's how you make an NPC. Right. But we're trying to tell you what makes an NPC is the fact you control everything about it, whether they win, lose, die, advance, power up, the whole nine. There's no mechanic to follow there. That comes with knowing the relationship you have with your players and their ability to talk to you about the game they're playing in. Right. That's what all this, this we talked about to this point ramps up to. And when you have someone at the table who is constantly giving feedback of what they're unhappy and they don't like it and this is bad and that's bad, but everybody else that you talk to, completely fine having a blast with it that's the toughest position to be in because it's the most heartbreaking right because honestly if you have somebody who has 
if you have five people and only one person is, is making a stink, only one person is having such a bad time, but everybody else is having a good time, I'm not saying you make a show of it. I'm not saying, by the way, I agree with group. You know, you're talking to everybody as a group. That's cool. But sometimes, most times, almost all the time, people will not truly state their opinion until you approach them one-on-one and give them the out to say they never said anything. Right. Right. But And one-on-one is when you're going to get the best feed, uh, feed forward, the, the most positive results to move forward. But if you still, even in that one-on-one, it's just someone chewing you out or someone just having a bad time, in that one-on-one, you need to let them know, hey, I talked to everybody, foster a relationship. You know, with, I have it with all of you. It's great that you're here. I'm glad that you're entertained by game. But right now, as I'm running it, everyone's having a good time, and you're the only one who's not. So th- we're at an impasse. Right, it's either you, right. have to, you have to agree to tone it down and just stomach it. You know, you like it enough to be here, then just be here. And, and hopefully it turns around, you look at it a different way. Or with whatever's going on in your life, you need to take a break, get back to that, and come back to the table when some of that's cleared up. Right. Or we play a different game, or we ST differently. And it's okay to do that. You know, don't suffer the group for one person. Right. And if that person's you, know when to step down. <laughs> right. Right. Have the, the uh, you know, the ability to look at yourself with some awareness of self, you know, some self-awareness and, and realize that maybe, um, you know, maybe you need to improve. And you know what, at the end of the day, as long as you're approaching your gaming experience with the perspective that one, your ego is checked at the door because we're, we're all working towards entertainment, not just like boosting yourself. If you're doing this for self-satisfaction because you want to feel a sense of power and you want your characters to be these badasses that never <laughs> lose and your players are suffering, man, wrap it the fuck up. Stop, write a book. Stop. Write a book. Right. Exactly. And, you know, if your book is good, people will buy it. That's awesome. But if you're if you're dragging people in and you're making them suffer through your game, it doesn't matter how realistic your NPCs are. Just doesn't. doesn't matter how well they're developed. If you don't have that communication back and forth between your players and yourself to go, okay, are, are, am I just sort of like crushing you through story? You're, you, my friend, are doing this wrong. And what's going to happen here is how do you know when you're that guy, right? I ride that line dangerously, right? Because I have people tell me this is too hard. Like what, what you're doing, man, is just, it's just out here. Well, that's because they don't understand I'm here for them. Right. The reason why my games seem so hard or Nate's games seem so hard, and, and especially when we're both together in a game, how it can seem daunting is because you don't take us up in our offer to help you develop what you're doing. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just that some people come with an ego. All players do. All, all players are going to have an ego. That's okay. Right. Right. That's why they're going to play a character. But our job has always been to be neutral. If you got to kill the prince in our game, great. We just want to make sure that you have a means to do so. Right. And you understand the risks that are associated with that. Right. And that we're going to, we're going to give it to you raw. You're going to have exactly what should happen to portray that rise. And if it's a super smart idea, yeah, let's kill him. We're not going to tell you like that. We're not going to even tell you when you're on the right track, but what we will do is as you're getting frustrated and we see you doing something that's either should be blatantly silly or something that could be risky. Yeah, we don't want you to be stressed. We want you to understand that's a challenge. Right. And and that's how you ride that line. What Nate's talking about is when you're that guy that goes, oh, yeah, you're going to kill the prince. Sure. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. What are you going to do? Right, right. Oh, you're going to walk up with a sword and cut his head off? Right. Oh, when are you going to do that? Right. You know, my guy's been around for eight centuries, wields a sword like, like the best ever. 
Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah, he learned from this guy. Right. So that's that's what you're dealing with. Good luck to you. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah, you should you should as a player, if you're listening to this and you're a player and you're at that table, you should close your book, put your character sheet away, take all your stuff and put it in your bag, and you should leave. Right? Because that individual is not is not a good storyteller. And that is the Nate method. I challenge you to get it out of your system. And you chop that Miyamoto Musashi learning piece of shit's head off. <laughs> and you walk up and you go, Cool, dice in front. We're gonna play we're gonna put dicks out, dice in front. Awesome. Roll the die. Because right. I don't have trust in you as a storyteller that you're gonna play this to the limit. But give him his eights, give him his tens, give him everything he has. I'm my seven five three Jamoke who's gotten twenty XP and, and that's it. But you know what I put my twenty XP in? Melee. <laughs> I made my cane, bro. I'm right here. And so we're going to dice it out, my man. Right, and why? Because right. I want you to go through a realization. You can fuck up a roll. Right. Just one. And when I walk a Tana well, right to your head, that's it. Let's be fair. And not to distract for too long to the what the point is, but let's be fair. Most of the time, that storyteller is going to cheat anyways, right? They're going right. to be like, oh, man, I rolled eight successes. And you're like, could you roll them in front of me? And they're like, no, That's... I can't. Right. That, so the moment that you're like, I need to cheat in favor of my NPC, stop right there. Think about what you're doing. Think about why you're doing it. Think about what you're getting out of it and then reassess and, you know, we'll get back to you. But for sure, if you are not properly developed as a person, the concept of you developing an NPC properly is kind of pointless. Right. Because you're Entirely. you're not you're not this is not an ego thing. And and I know we're beating a dead horse, but it's the I truth. Hope we are. Right. It's the truth. It's the one thing that you need to take away from here is that you need to be developed and you need to be prepared to fail in telling that story in order to tell a good one. You've got to tell a hundred terrible ones to get one good one. That's what you need to do to develop at an NPC properly, you need to experience developing developing them poorly. And you're going to find yourself, especially starting out, really loving an NPC you wrote well, and your ego is going to be in it, and you're going to know it is, and you're going to know it is when you do it. And right. the moment your players realize right. it, that's when you need to take a break. Right. Most of the time, people don't know you fucked up until you admit you fucked up, right? Poker face. When Bob and I run games together, especially like in large LARPs and things like that, we don't ever admit to fuck-ups. To the player's face, right? The biggest mistake that you're going to make is go, ah, fuck, I forgot. Okay, well, now, you know, now they know where you fucked up. Now they can see, you know, the hole in your armor. If you don't admit to anybody that you fucked up, they're going to go, oh, shit, he did that on purpose. Oh, man, that was that was an intentional thing. Without fail, they'll psych themselves out. Right. And you just bought yourself some time. And that's that's how it is. And but but that is a fire, right? We call them fires. You want to put that out. You got to address where the mistake was, and now you have to rewrite plot to where it fits. Right. Or you have to make it, you have to own up and say, that guy's just screwed. Right. That mistake I made <laughs> terms that plot, and if the players maximize it, maximize. Right. That's, well, that's that simple. Well, you know, it looks like uh, Hardest Dad the Younger really fucked up there. Like, what's he going to do now when such and such elder decided to come down on him? Who knows, right? That's all for you to tell. Your mistakes are, are ways that you can tell a more realistic story. That's Yeah, it's not a mistake. It's it's a happy little tree. Right, right. These are happy little clouds <laughs> and happy little accidents, right? So yeah. because they turn into something. That's right. the important. Thing. So in summation, I would say um your strategy, find three things, right? Yep. I would say learn ways to 
create little, you know, write write a little, use a little story thing. Like we, we talked about earlier, we talked about uh, in a different podcast, we talked about um, uh, uh, story cues, right? Websites that you can do- go to where they give you like a sentence and you got to write a story about it or they give yep. you a picture. Same thing with people, you know, develop your own strategy for creating simple non-player characters and then developing them outward and um, get your ego out of the game. It's it's actually those three things you're good. Right. It's in-depth to talk about, and we get why this podcast is needed, but this is two experienced storytellers' strategies right. of how we've sifted through. You were going to, to develop your own and maybe even better. We hope better. Right. That's the point, right? Right. We stand on the, sho- the shoulders of giants. Right. So if we come forward, giants, we are. And then you're like, cool, I'll take that idea. And I've developed my own that is better than what you guys thought of. That's a pat on the back for us. Right. Like, well, good on you. Keep going. Right. You know, and if you want to give uh, like more, if this this missed the mark of what you were looking for. Remember, this is a development. Right. 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 This is what we believe based on what you said you wanted to hear about is get to this point. Right. If you were specifically talking about something. Right. Be specific in the request. And we can get to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe you're like, I really want to know how to play a Ventru. Oh, shit. Okay. That's kind of like a very broad request, but we can, <laughs> we can get there. But like, let's say, you know, you're like, I really want to know how to properly portray this Archon. All right, cool. We'll give you some strategies there as we can. Um, this is all about you guys, right? So this is about what you want to learn. Those things that you've always had the question about, am I doing this right? Is this something that I need to develop? Let us know. And also let us know in the comments on Patreon. Let us know on Discord, wherever you guys can communicate with us. We're super easy to get a hold of. So Strangely. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, until two weeks from now, I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to a very special edition of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast. Please visit us at utilitymuffinlabs.com for more Utility Muffin Labs consistently rated adequate.